It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the Good morning and welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Kara Carper, licensed nutritionist from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. So I'm wondering, how many people out there are gearing up for Halloween? Everybody? Some of the festivities have already started, and I'm sure they'll be going on until Sunday night. So that's why we wanted to do a show specifically on a holiday like Halloween, when it's really easy to get caught in what we call the candy trap. Right, Anna? Right. (laughs) Anna Durhock, licensed nutritionist, is here with me today. And she's going to give us some helpful tips and also talk more about the negative effects of sugar, which I'm sure no one wants to hear the day before Halloween. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But Anna sees clients at the St. Paul office, and she teaches a lot of classes and corporate presentations. And she's got three beautiful kids. I just got to meet her newest addition, Lucas, at a work meeting last week. He was super cute. But welcome to the show, Anna. Thanks. Hi, Cara. Um... So I'm sure it's hard when Halloween is basically all about the sugar. And I don't like it because I have three kids. The youngest can't really eat anything yet. But, um, you know, I don't want them to feel left out. So that's why we're going to give you lots of options um, for you parents out there and how to make Halloween a healthier holiday for your kids. Um, And it doesn't have to be the weekend that sets off sugar cravings um, because I used to get in that that caught in that candy trap as Cara was talking about um and so we're going to talk about a lot of things that can prevent you from getting into that candy trap throughout the season because Halloween really sets it off doesn't it Cara well yeah we were talking about that before the show it's Halloween and then it's (laughs) the candy is around until Thanksgiving yep then you have you know more treats yep and pies and then next thing (laughs) you know it's Christmas yep and New Year's, and then I guess you could say Valentine's Day. Day. It's it never like ends. An ongoing <laughs> session of candy traps. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I but um, kind of what I do is I do let my kids go trick or treating. Um, but what I do when they get home is I spread out their candy, and I don't I I just make them go to bed after, because <laughs> um, they're still young. So and I go through their candy, and I basically pick out a couple okay ones, and then basically. They have maybe one um, a day, and then I throw the rest out. <laughs> now, how old are your kids? They're um, Genevieve will be three, and Isabel's four and a half. So, do you yeah. think? So, I mean, starting them out with these types of habits, do you think that will make a difference when they're when in they're, grade school? Yes, and okay, definitely. And even so, I mean, they don't like a lot of candy. I mean, they're they're not huge sweet tooth, mm-hmm. so. I guess that's probably a good thing. They eat like 85% dark chocolate. (laughs) So, I mean. And I'm sure, I mean, I was just reading a study about how kids, I mean, when they're exposed to sugar at a young age, that really, I mean, they get a taste for that. And then they continually want that. Yep, Mm -hmm. definitely. But, you know, we're talking about what with kids and candy, but also what happens with most adults before Halloween is that they start stocking up on candy for the <laughs> trick-or-treaters. Yep. And they like to get that candy ahead of time, maybe four <laughs> weeks ahead of time, just to be ready. Yep. 
Well, that bag gets opened, and next thing you know, a couple of pieces are gone, and then the bag is gone. Yes. So then they have to buy another bag. Yep. And that bag is gone. And so by the time Halloween comes around, it, you know, they could have eaten three to four bags of candy. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And then the kids go trick-or-treating and bring <laughs> home piles and piles of their own candy, and parents can dip into that as well. And, I mean, this can actually, I mean, this really sets up an addictive sugar cycle and it can take weeks or days weeks sometimes even months for people to get back on track with their healthy eating right and just think this starts with a piece of halloween (laughs) candy so it can really cause major setbacks when you know you have goals like wanting to be healthy Mm -hmm. have energy have balanced moods and lose weight you know it sets back all of those all those things even if you've been eating healthy up to that point you know um, and they say, I think it's 3,500 calories equals a pound. And if you ate, you know, 3,500 calories of just candy per week, like leading up to Halloween, I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure right there. Oh yeah, so. definitely. But what we're, what we're really getting into is basically what happens when we eat all that sugar. So, um, and Cara, I think you had some, I think you had um, some research on um, how how much um, how much candy the the Halloween season pre- presents. Itself. Yes, this is unbelievable. <laughs> so, the Nielsen Company reported that American consumers buy approximately six hundred million pounds, or almost two billion dollars worth of candy during the Halloween season. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I know it's scary, but like I saw people, you know, end of September buying Halloween candy when it first came out. And I'm like, you don't need to buy it that early, do you? I know, and that's the stuff that sits around, and then it just calls you to the cupboard. Yes, and so it's really no wonder why so many people are caught in that candy trap. It's really something that we call a vicious cycle. Anyone that starts to eat that much sugar in that short period of time, it's very addicting, Um, even if you just have one like Cara was talking about. So, and... Especially for a compulsive eater, once they start with candy, it's unlikely that they will be able to stop. Um, and I used to be like that. I had a specific <laughs> um, ca- a craving for what we call um, York peppermint patties. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I could eat half a bag. My husband threw, threw it away one time. He's like, you've had enough. <laughs> and I can't trash. picture this. I know. It's sad. Can with you, you. Picture- I know. It's great that you can't picture it because it was terrible. <laughs> it was not good. So, But it could take, like like Cara said, days, weeks, even months to get back on track. And it's hard to, you know, really accomplish your goals when you're trying to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it can be very defeating. Yes. And so, you know, not to mention that sugar slows immune function. So in this season, the cold and flu season, mm-hmm. when people are trying to stay healthy. stay healthy, especially through the holidays, I have some a quote from Robert Crayon. He wrote Nutrition Made Simple, and he stated that the amount of sugar in 12 ounces of a sweetened soda can paralyze the immune system for up to five hours. Oh. That's, you know, that's one soda, which I think is... 36 grams of sugar, sugar. something yep. like that. Yep. So imagine if someone's eating a whole bag of candy, what's that going to do for the immune system? Right. Yep. It's going to slow their white blood cells down so they can't fight off disease. Yeah. Yep. So let's kind of talk more about why people aren't usually able to just have one or two pieces of candy without eating the whole thing. Um, we bring this up in in our classes a lot because a lot of our clients have blood sugar issues. 
and they don't really understand that it's not a lack of willpower or that they're weak. It actually has a biochemical um, reaction. It's actually a biochemical problem in um, um, in their bloodstream. So let's kind of kind of talk about that, Cara, and how it kind of starts, how, why it's hard to stop. Sure, because, I mean, so many people do think, oh, I'm weak, I don't have willpower. Yes. But when we eat sugar, and whether that's in the form of candy or it could be cake, cookies, soda, all of those things raise the blood sugar. They raise it up way too high. And that also creates an increase of serotonin. Yes. And so serotonin is the happy, calming, feel-good chemical. Yes. And so we eat those foods and we do temporarily feel good. Good, right. But then after the blood sugar goes up, then it crashes. Anything that goes up has to come down. And it causes this low blood sugar reaction and cravings start. Okay, so no matter what, whenever we eat sugar, that spikes our blood sugar and then we come crashing down. And signs of low blood sugar, if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, are shakiness, irritability, um, sugar cravings, obviously, headaches, weakness. I mean, it comes in all forms. Yep. And, you know, some people say, oh, I don't have low blood sugar. I'm just I'm just having a craving. Well, that can be low blood sugar. Yes. Yep. And so, you know, Anna said the blood sugar goes up, then it comes down. Well, the same thing happens with that serotonin. So that temporary increase of serotonin also comes crashing down. Then we don't feel good. We have low moods, low energy, and again, we have cravings. So naturally, you know, when you feel crappy like that, (laughs) you want to feel good again. So people look for more sugar to get that temporary rush of serotonin. So it's a really hard cycle to get out of. Yes. And we see a lot of people in our office having that same cycle when they come in for depression and anxiety and all that stuff. It's usually related to low blood sugar. It is. I actually, I had a client that came to me a couple years ago and she was having panic attacks, full-blown panic attacks. And so all I did is I put her on our plan, which we'll talk more about later, just balanced (laughs) eating, balanced out her blood sugar, and she came back, it was like six or eight weeks later, and she's like, I haven't had one panic attack. Wow. It was completely related eating. to low blood sugar. blood sugar. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. And I think I think they say sixty percent of panic attacks are or anxiety attacks are due to low blood sugar. Oh my gosh. And that's in the hospitals, so all right. But getting back to it, better better to, you know, really end end the cycle in the first place. Don't start with the sugar. And Candace Pert um, she wrote the book called Molecules of Emotion. She's a famous biochemist. She she basically discovered serotonin and dopamine, um, but she relates eating sugar to shooting heroin, and and that's you know the addictive piece to it. It's just as addictive as shooting heroin. So it's kind of scary when you start to think about that's it. That's very scary. Yeah, I don't think people understand. You know, if they have a piece of candy, they just think it's innocent. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Like oh, but I that's can how stop addictive it is. Yep. Well, it's time to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about alternatives for passing out candy. But first, I have some research to share with you. And it's about breast cancer, since it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And according to one landmark study, 600,000 cases of breast cancer and colon cancer could be prevented each year if vitamin D levels among the general public increased. So if you haven't listened to our show or haven't listened for a while, your vitamin D levels really should be between 50 and 100. Most clients that we see and we, you know, tell them to get tested, their levels are closer to 20. 
So just get your levels checked. It's a simple blood test at the doctor's office and protect yourself from these cancers. Um, And the kind of vitamin D to be taking is vitamin D3. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And please give us a call today if you have any questions or comments. 651-641-1071. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Anna Durhock, licensed nutritionist, and I am here with Cara Carper, nutritionist, licensed nutritionist as well. And today we are talking about the Halloween candy trap. Now, before we went to break, Cara was kind of mentioning how to protect yourself from breast cancer since it is Breast Cancer Awareness Week or month. And did you know that the sun is the be- the best source of the sun, or I should say the best source of vitamin D is actually the sun? Um, new research from Stanford University found that exposure to sunlight actually decreases breast cancer risk. The study actually followed 4,000 women between the ages of 35 and 79 and found the, wo- the women who had higher sun exposure had half the risk of breast cancer compared to those who got very little sun. And now, if anybody's wondering, like, higher sun exposure, it's usually when you're, when you're um, this is how they described it, when your forehead is a darker brown. Like if you're light skinned, that means you're getting good sun exposure. And so do people need to wear sunscreen, Anna? Good question, Cara. No, actually, you really don't want to wear sunscreen if you're trying to get vitamin D because you're not going to get any vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, some sunscreens actually have really harmful chemicals that can actually put you at more risk for other cancers. So, so better to be out in the sun, not for, all day. Not all day. Like they say, you know, if you can, 20 to 30, 30 minutes with like... Full sun exposure, if you can, that'd be mm-hmm. the best. And also, you know, when I was doing research on vitamin D and sun exposure, yeah, people can store up vitamin D. Yes. Yep. So you don't have to get out like for two hours every day or what, yeah. even if you don't get out with that the next day, it's okay. Right. You know, it's not like every single day Yep. because your body can store as a fat soluble yeah, vitamin. Yeah, it's a fat soluble. Yep. So. Exactly. Good information. Well, let's talk about alternatives um, on Halloween. You know, it doesn't have to be all about candy and completely focused on candy. I mean, we know kids are going to get some, but (laughs) some alternatives, you know, Nancy, our project manager at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, she was saying that she hands out Play-Doh to the trick-or-treaters and that they love it. Yes. I thought that was a great idea. Exactly. And Play-Doh, you guys, is the cheapest thing out there. I mean... The, and it, the kids love it. So. There's a wide range of ages that can use yes, Play-Doh. Yes, exactly, exactly. So some other ideas of things to pass out are glow-in-the-dark necklaces. Kids love those. Glow-in-the-dark fangs or glow sticks. Children really like to have something that lights up in the dark for the rest of their truck through the neighborhood. So, And I've also, uh, my daughter is in preschool now, so she's been getting little... Um, Halloween things, and she got um, a Batman ring. I mean, there's all sorts of cool things. She's gotten a cool eraser. I've found really cool markers, um, as long as the kids are um, over three. So <laughs> you want to be careful because yeah, my daughter with those still markers draws at your house. <laughs> so, but yeah, those are other things. And, you know, I went to brunch with three friends recently, and they were giving me some great ideas. Like, they like to hand out bead necklaces mm, yep. or stickers. Yes. Any toys or jewelry, it doesn't have to be expensive either, just something from the dollar store. And then also, if people have kids, they probably are familiar with silly bands. (laughs) Anna, do you know about those? Okay. So they're popular rubber band bracelets. 
they have rings now and necklaces mm. and they come in all different shapes and sizes. A lot of them are animals and some of those glow in the dark. Or Marsha at work yesterday was telling me <laughs> her niece got a super ball in a Halloween goodie bag. So there's just tons yeah, of options that definitely. aren't candy related. Yes. Um, and we know kids are going to end up with some candy. Um, so I have some ideas for managing the candy that ends up back at the house after Halloween, October 31st. So first of all, candy should always be viewed as more of a treat and not a free for all. Even if you, you know, even if the kids went out trick or treating and they have this huge bag of candy. So letting children pick one piece after dinner each night is so much better than letting them, you know, dig into the pile, um, you know, every night um, without abandon, without any care. And what I do for my kids is that one piece that they get a day, I usually have them do it after dinner and um, make sure that they eat all their vegetables. My kids are not as normal as some kids. They love vegetables. <laughs> in in fact, the, the the their favorite way is actually eating frozen vegetables right out of the bag. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else has kids I don't, that like I've that. I tried it and I was like, this is disgusting. They they taste freezer burn, but they love them. So whatever way. You hey, can get however your kids. you can get those vegetables yes. in. Yes. So, but that's, I mean, that's their treat and they love it. They totally enjoy it and they, you know, they don't feel like they're being left out. So, so they get a piece after dinner. After dinner. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then, but you were saying, how long does that last? Does that go on until Christmas? No. <laughs> it usually lasts about three days and then they t- kind of forget about it and I throw the rest away. <laughs> so, yeah. And there's probably some parents out there going, thinking to themselves, well, my kid would not forget about that. Right. <laughs> so I just try as much as best as you can. I'm sure that you know most kids, some kids have more of an addictive, you know, habit to sugar. Sh- yeah, or a sweet tooth. Yeah, sweet tooth. Well, you know, some parents give their kids money in exchange yes. for the candy. So that's an idea. Yeah. Um, also, I heard on FM 107, is it Shamblock Dental? Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm getting the name right. Okay. But there are some local dentists that are buying kids candy. After Halloween, I want to say it's like either November 1st or 2nd. Okay. So people can look into that. And, you know, the dressing up and the process of the trick-or-treating can be the experience. It doesn't have to be 100% about the sugar. Yes. So we talked a little bit about how candy and sugar can get people off track for weeks at a time. But it's really important to know what other conditions that are caused by or even made worse from eating all that sugar. Um, And we find that diabetes is probably the biggest disease that's directly caused from high carbohydrate or high sugar eating. Um, Diabetes usually takes years of unhealthy high sugar um, eating to develop. And prediabetes or insulin resistance is always a precursor. And we're finding children that are 9, 10 years old who have prediabetes. I mean, super high insulin levels, can't keep their sugars down. It's very scary. Um, A week ago today... Actually, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, came out with new numbers um, or maybe more of a new analysis of what um, the current trend is looking like for the year 2050. They say as many as one in three American adults could have diabetes by 2050. Isn't that scary? That is scary. I mean, right now it's... The statistics are pretty high right now. Yeah. One in 10 American adults has diabetes. Right. So we're saying it's going to be one in three. Yeah. 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 And that's what is that? That's only 40 years away. And so, Anna, you know, diabetes, I've, I've had some clients come in and say, well, I was just diagnosed with diabetes. But it is important to know that 
that doesn't happen overnight. Right. I mean, it can take years of being insulin resistant yep. and having prediabetes. Yep. And diabetes is, I mean, that's a very extreme yeah, case. case of it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. It takes years to develop. And that's why it's important that, you know, even though you think, oh, it's just Halloween, so I'm just eating candy at Halloween. But like if you do that every Halloween for 20 years, that can still set mm-hmm. you up for, you know, huge, um, huge implications like diabetes, heart disease. And it has a lot to do with just getting in the sugar cycle and not being able to get out of it, yes, too. Exactly. You know, Let's face it, a week's having candy for a week isn't going to make or break anything. Yeah, exactly. But it's, that, but it's like that, it's that habit. It's that of, pattern. Yep, exactly. Another shocking statistic is if you have a 10 year old child, about 35% of his or her classmates will develop diabetes. So if you think about it in an average size classroom, about 10 kids will develop diabetes. That is so scary. Um, and, you know, too much sugar isn't just does doesn't doesn't just affect diabetes or like sets you up for a risk factor, but it also creates high triglycerides. If you want to know a good way to test how much sugar you're eating, the best thing to do is get your triglycerides checked because it's directly related to how much sugar is in your diet. So it's not related to the fat, dietary no, fat. It is not related to the fat. Yep. And actually, if any if if you don't understand what triglycerides are, they're basically the storage form of sugar in our fat cells. That's exactly what triglycerides Mm -hmm. are. And we're supposed to use them as energy in our muscle cells, but when we're eating too much sugar and we've already got, you know, all this sugar in the bloodstream, then they get stored Mm -hmm. for a long time. So, And those levels can really go down quickly. Yes. I mean, I've seen people that have triglycerides that are, what, 500? Yep. And they go down, you know, within just a month's period, they can get down significantly. Yes. One of our teachers, Angela, she had... She had triglycerides of like a thousand when she first started coming in, and they, they basically got down to under a hundred within a few months. Just by, I'm yeah. sure, reducing sugar and high carbohydrate eating. Yes. as well. Yes, exactly. So, and then there's other things besides high triglycerides, but usually high blood pressure is related to high sugar eating, high cholesterol, and according to the, the book Sugar Busters, which was actually written by three medical doctors. Um, sugar is recognized as an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And Cara, I know you see a lot of people with heart disease um, as well as I do, and it's crazy. You, they come in and you sit down with them and you see what they're eating, and it's no wonder why they have heart disease, but they've been told the wrong message. So, um, And this is basically caused by sugar's effect on insulin secretion. Excess insulin can actually lead to an enlarged heart. Insulin is very inflammatory to the blood vessels, so you really want to be careful how much sugar you're actually eating. Right. So, I mean, high carbohydrate, high sugar eating raises the blood sugar. Yeah. Then we need a lot of insulin to bring that down. Yes. So the more insulin that's in the body, that's what's leading to a lot of the cardiovascular disease yes. and inflammation, like yes, you said. inflammation, yep. Well, it's time to take our second break, and I do have some more research for you about how to protect yourself from breast cancer. Research has shown that supplementing the diet with omega-3 fats, essential fats, from either fish oil or krill oil can reduce your breast cancer by up to 32%. And so when we come back, Anna will talk about some good ways to get more omega-3 fats in your diet. And you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And again, give us a call today, especially if you have tips on what you are doing for Halloween or questions, 651 
Welcome back to Edition of Nutrition. I am Anna Durhak, licensed nutritionist, and I am here with Kara Carper, nutrition licensed nutritionist as well. And before we went to break, we were talking about omega threes and how they can prevent breast cancer. And some good sources of omega three fats, probably one of the best ones is a good fish oil from a like a good um, brand Nordic Naturals, um, Carlson's, um, Nutrition Dynamics has a good brand, and then cod liver oil as well. Free-range organic eggs, salmon, sardines, um, and then grass-fed meat or any type of wild game, venison, elk, um, any type of, any type of um, wild game that you, that you would, you know, find, find out there. And we usually recommend, um, you know, 3,000 milligrams per day for those who want to stay healthy. And fish oil is wonderful. I mean, not only for cancer prevention, but also just reducing inflammation. Yes. In general and for heart disease. And for your brain function. I mean, it's super important no matter what. So because um, basically all your cells use omega-3s. So try to get try to get those good omega-3s in every day if you can. And actually, um, I've done some research and in a four ounce filet of salmon, there are 3,300 milligrams of fish oil. Oh, wow. Of omega-3s. So- because I know some people that if they're eating salmon, they yep. don't take their fish oil that yes. day. So that actually makes perfect sense. Yes. So, and then I think a can of sardines has 2,000 milligrams. So Great, for those of you great who ways sardines, to get omega-3 without having to supplement. Exactly. All right. I'm going to take a caller here. Hi, Tammy. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question for us? Yes. Uh, you had mentioned that when you start to eat sugar, you can get in a rut and you don't stop for a long time. And I was just wondering what you recommend to break that cycle. Yes, that is kind of a hard cycle to break. I mean, it's really easy for us in the station here to say, oh, just stop eating sugar. (laughs) And because it can take, I've heard, up to 21 days even Mm -hmm. to kind of get the sugar out of your system. Mm -hmm. So later in the show, we actually were going to give some tips on supplements that can really be helpful for people to get out of the sugar cycle. Okay. And so some things that I would recommend, first of all, there's an amino acid called L-glutamine. Yes. Okay. And that's very, very helpful for getting rid of both sugar and alcohol and high-carbohydrate food cravings. Um, So you probably will want to do about, what, up to 5,000 milligrams a day? Yeah, you could do up to 5,000, yeah. Okay. Okay, with meals? Before, before, meals. before meals. Yeah, just kind of spread it out maybe three times a day before each main meal. 5,000 total. 5,000 total. Yes. Yeah, like around 1,500 milligrams each time. Okay. Um, something else, it's a probiotic, so good bacteria. And the specific strain that's helpful for sugar cravings is bifidobacteria. Okay. You could take that right along with that glutamine before your meals. Okay. And then, Anna, what do you think about Crave Control? Yeah, Crave Control is something that I've used off and on, um, and it's, I think that's probably one of the best, especially if you've been struggling with a, for a long period of time, um, besides the glutamine and the bifido. It has, um, it has the build, building blocks for um, serotonin. It also has the building blocks for dopamine, which dopamine is related to those intense sugar cravings. So if those are what you're dealing with, um, you might want to try Crave Control. That tends to work really well for people. Okay. And, and that's before meals as well, Tammy. And where would you get that? That you can only get from our office. Okay. Um, 
and and it's formulated by Dar. But you can and if you didn't want to stop in, you could always have them ship it out to you as well. Okay. Yeah. So okay. yeah, we find that people have um, great success when they do all three of those. And you may not have to do those forever, but just at least a month or two to kind of get you out of the sugar cycle. Yes. Okay. Great question, though. Thanks, Tammy. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling in. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. I'll take another caller. Hi, welcome to the show. Is this Russ? Yes, this is Russ. Hey, I Russ, a, do you have a question? question? It's not exactly about sugar, but kind of, because I know fruit has a, a fair amount of sugar in my girls. They like to graze during the day. And uh, they eat a lot of fruit. Does that have the same kind of effects on blood sugars and insulin resistance? Um, it doesn't as much as like the candy. Um, but you, but Russ, if they're grazing like that all day on fruit, you might want to try to get some more protein in them. Um, sometimes I have a I have a problem with my girls doing that as well. So maybe um some chicken sausage or. Um, I make them sometimes a panky, which is just scrambled eggs with a little bit of um, rolled oats. That would be really good, okay. too. Yeah. Like uh, what kind of oats? Just normal oats or like steel cut? or? Well, steel cut's the best, but um, um, rolled oats um, tend to qu- cook a little bit easier. Um, so if it's, you know, if you're trying to make something quick, that would be better for the panky anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I have another question. Okay. I have a three-month-old, or he's almost four-month-old son. Is that who's and... in the background? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they love your show. They're uh, they're talking right along with us. So. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, so the last, like, week or so, like, every time we're eating, it looks like he really wants to join in. What's a good time for uh, us to start feeding him, and do you recommend what kind of, like, first food that would be? Oh, uh, great question. Thank you, yeah. Russ. Well, um, the best time to start, if the, if he is interested in eating, then, um, you know, usually you start around between four to six months. But if he's, you know, I, you could start the day he turns four months and just see what he likes. Um, sometimes they'll only take just a teeny bit of food. Um, and the best okay. first foods would be like a little sweet potato with a little bit of breast milk in there. Um, or I've done egg yolk with a little bit of avocado so okay, just the yolk or the white too nope just the yolk the egg whites they can't have till they're at least one. Oh, okay. So, otherwise there's well, thanks for telling me that i wouldn't want to get in trouble yeah we don't <laughs> want any allergies no allergies yeah, sure. <laughs> so but that's great or like bananas mashed with avocados that's a great first food as well oh okay awesome i appreciate it yeah thanks for coming yep. in russ Love your show. Thanks. thank you russ have a yep. great day All have right. a great day Anna, we have a couple more callers here. Okay. Keep taking them. All right. Hi, is this Lisa? Yes. Hey, thanks for calling in. Do you have a question for us? Yes, I do. It's not to do with anything to do with candy, but, or sugar. I was just curious how much omega-3 and vitamin D you would recommend for, you know, a healthy diet on a daily basis. Sure. I guess if you're healthy and not having a lot of inflammatory conditions, um, you know, I'd say two to 3,000 milligrams yep. of fish oil is still good because about 95% of Americans are deficient in that essential fatty acid. Okay, so two to 3,000. Two yes. to 3,000. Okay, a little more than I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, most people, you know, I see a lot of people that just take 1,000, which is great. It's better than none. But to be effective, it, you know, I'd say two to three. Now, I've been just taking two. Do I need to take them like intermittently or? Um, I think 
I think, Lisa, if it's the only way you can get them in to take them all at once, but if you can, it's better to spread them out um, throughout the day. And before, after eating? Always with a meal. So, like, with. you want to have, a, like, a full stomach. Okay. Yep. And then you had a question about amount of vitamin D as well? Yes. Okay. You know, the recommended amount is 400 IUs, international units. Okay. But that's, just to let you know, that's outdated, and that's... Yes. Actually, just Way to prevent little. rickets. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so for optimal health, it's better to get at least, I'd say, 2,000 yes. international units daily. And then 2,000 daily? Yes. yes. And then make sure that you get it checked next time you go in just in case because you might need more than that, Lisa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if your levels are really low, I don't know if you heard early in, earlier in this show, you know, we said a lot of people are testing at 20. Ooh. And a level Mm -hmm. that low might even require, you know, a doctor's Mm -hmm. prescription of 50,000 units a week. Yep. Okay, so I have been doing the 2,000 of the vitamin D. Now, if I was coming down with, you know, a cold or something, would I want to up that? Yes, definitely. That's what I do. You could take 5,000, 6,000. Yep, definitely. Great comment, too. Definitely up it, and it make a big difference in how... And how you feel. Yep. It's good for seasonal affective disorder. It's wonderful for immune system. Yes, Okay. So awesome. Good job. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for your call. Hi, Christy. This is Dishing Up Nutrition. Do you have a question for us? I sure do. I have a severe seafood allergy and can't seem to find that I keep getting conflicting information as to whether I can take an omega-3. And if not, is flaxseed effective and how much do I need? Hey, that's a great question. Um, you, it's a seafood or is it actual actual fish or is it all seafood? All, you name it. If it's in the water, I'm allergic. You're allergic. To it. Okay, so then you definitely do not want to take a fish oil, Christy. Um, okay. But you can get actually good omega threes from just pure algae. Pure and, algae. Okay. Yep, and that's that's it's mainly the DHA, which is really really important for brain function. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could get you could get a supplement like that. Um, Flax oil is a good, um, it's, it's, there's a lot of omega-3s in it, but it's not the greatest, your body doesn't absorb it as well. Okay. So, um, I would actually use flax seed over flax oil just because you're going to get... fish oil? No. Oh, oh, sorry. No, that's all right. I know where you're going. Because <laughs> flax seed actually has the, the fiber in it and you okay. might get some omega-3s from it, but I would definitely take more of that DHA algae. DHA algae. I've never heard that. Okay, yeah. great. And is there a certain amount of that? That I would try to get 600 milligrams in a day. Okay. Yep. Great. Yep. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you. All yeah, right. Thanks, thanks for calling in. Uh-huh. Anna, it's time to take a break. We have another caller, so please be patient. We'll get to your call when we come back. And, you know, we've been talking about how to protect yourself from cancer, but we haven't talked to you about the most basic nutrition prevention plan. And, you know, the top, this is very timely because we're talking about Halloween candy and sugar. Sugar is actually cancer's favorite food. It feeds, sugar feeds cancer, actually causing it to grow. Yes. More than other nutrients do. And so other something else that fuels cancer growth is trans fats or hydrogenated oils. Yes. Trans fats create free radicals in the body. And that actually damages cell membranes and allows cancer to infiltrate into the cells. So really what we're trying to say is just get rid of processed carbohydrates and because then you're going to get rid of sugar and trans fats. 
And we, we are on our last break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. We'll be right back. I'm sorry I'm bad. I'm sorry I'm I'm sorry Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Anna Durhock, and I'm here with Cara Carper, and we are both licensed nutritionists. And Cara, we were talking about how sugar and trans fats lead to cancer growth right before we went to break. And if you have issues with eating too much sugar or processed carbohydrates, and you're ready to make a, ge- a change um, for the better, then there are wonderful classes out there that we teach. Um, one actually is being taught in Minnetonka called Managing the Blood Sugar Roller Coaster, which is perfect for anyone sh- struggling with mm-hmm. sugar Like sugar the person problems. who called in earlier trying to get out of the sugar yes. cycle. Yes, Tammy. Um, but we have a great class for all of you, and it's called, again, it's Managing the Blood Sugar Roller Coaster. It's on November 3rd, and... Um, you can um, get more information about it on our website, weightandwellness.com. And then we also have our signature weight and wellness series, which actually is starting this coming week all over the Twin Cities. Um, we're teaching it in St. Paul on Monday nights, Wyzetta, Lakeville, White Bear Lake, Maple Grove. I know that's on Wednesday nights because I usually teach that one. Um, there's one in Anoka. There's one going on in Chanhassen, which is on Thursday nights. There's one in Cambridge. I mean, we're going all over. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. And then there's one in Woodbury. So it's six weeks of great nutrition information that really will change your life. So please sign up. If you have questions, also call our office at 651-699-3438, and Kate will be happy to help you. And those classes really are a great deal. It's yes. only just $225 for Six weeks for 12 classroom hours. It's, like you said, life-changing information. Yes, it's awesome. All right, we have a couple more callers here. Hi, Becky. Thanks for holding. Do you have a question today? Yeah. Um, A number of years ago, I was on a pretty restrictive diet with no sugar, no refined carbs, very little oil and fat, and I thought, you know, this is getting kind of ridiculous. So I went to an endocrinologist, and they sent me down to Mayo and everything, and I had, as part of test, my basal metabolic rate tested, so I was mm-hmm. like 25, and they said my basal metabolic rate was 1,000, and now, you know, I'm 55. So what does that mean? 1,000? <laughs> what can I do about it? Oh, my goodness. Um, well. His, his answer back was, well, you just have a really efficient metabolism. Really? So your BMR is 1,000? Yeah. Well, and that's 30 years ago. Oh, my gosh. And I know theoretically they say it goes down, down, down. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I would just, you know, keep balance, keep your blood sugar balanced. I'd keep, you know, eating those whole foods, fruit, fresh fruits and vegetables, um, lean proteins. Um, are you doing are you doing more fat or well, I got to the point where I thought, because it was very low calorie as well, and yeah. I got to the point where I thought, this just isn't healthy, and it's ridiculous. Right. So now, I wouldn't even say I eat as much as normal people, but um, are there supplements, or is there anything else that you've come up with that if someone has an efficient metabolism, as they've called it, that there's anything you can do? Because at the point I had it tested, I was always I was already running three miles a day and doing aggressive competitive racquetball about three times a week and now i'm not nearly at that level at that mm-hmm. level but i still now i'm mostly doing yoga and um meditation and trying to get my exercise bike in and going to get back to doing my weightlifting. but it's hard to get all that in right? i know it's hard with <laughs> only so many hours in the day but i guess with uh, i mean and you haven't been 
tested recently for your BMR, right. but I think it is going to be critical for you to get the cardio and the strength in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, so. you know, it does, <laughs> more so than someone else would need to. I yeah. think that exercise is really going to be key for you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously staying away from the sugar, but you don't necessarily have to be on like a low calorie diet. You will, your, your BMR will go up if you um, stick with the whole foods. And also there's one thing that we have that really sparks people's metabolisms and it's called L-carnitine. Okay. I was thinking about that too. (laughs) And I would definitely um, at least try that out or just come into our office. You might need a little bit more help with, with what's going on with your metabolism and your BMR. Um, And um, we could definitely help you, but L-carnitine would be one that really helps the fat get into the um, the muscle cells, so we can use it for energy. Okay, and probably four thousand milligrams of that a day. Yep, yep, that would be a good good start for you. Okay, because I've been to a nutrition clinic, and I'm just looking at my bottle to see what I have, and I don't know if that's on here. I have my vitamins compounded. Okay, so you said four thousand. Yeah, four thousand of L-carnitine. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, probably need to call you guys too because yeah it may be good to just sit down with one of the nutritionists yeah and just get a a meal plan together specifically for you you know yeah yeah because i actually had a nutritionist put together a plan for me too and the only good thing was i didn't gain weight but (laughs) but you want to lose it right (laughs) hoping to go the other way that's right doing my my cardio and my weightlifting Mm -hmm. then too it's frustrating Yeah. yeah Okay. Okay. Well, good luck, and maybe we'll talk to you at our office sometime. Probably. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Becky. Bye. Bye. Hi, Judy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. How are you today? Hi. I'm I'm good. I have a question. Uh, I've heard a lot about these um, plans, these uh, supplemental plans that you go on where you you eat a minimum amount of of real food, but you... um, have a high intake of supplements, mm-hmm. and in particular, uh, 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 protein powder. Okay. And I'm just wondering if there is a problem with that that type of regimen. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with supplementing a protein powder, you know, maybe once per day, but it's really not a good um, replacement for real food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why is that? I, I just want to understand what... Well, it is, you know, protein powders are processed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you're probably going to be missing out on a lot of nutrients that you would get from um, even other animal proteins yeah. with, you know, that are high in omega-3 and iron and all that great fiber and antioxidants you get from fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And really, um, there's no re- replacement for food, real food. There's so many things that we don't know about what real food does for us. So um, I think... A lot of times we absorb things better from real food. And so supplements are still okay, but you just want to be careful about how you're actually doing it. You don't want to really replace it, all your meals with supplemental protein drinks. Okay, thank yeah. you so yep. much. Good question, though. Thank Thanks for calling. Anna, do we have time for one more call? Yes, we have time for one okay. more. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the show. Hi. I have a question about prepping for a colonoscopy. Okay. Yes. What's the best way to do that? I know they give you something that, you know, you're supposed to take to clean yourself out. Is there something you can do um, several days ahead of time for that to make it easier or what? Well, I know, don't they recommend usually a like a Gatorade type product? I don't know. Do you have your, oh, I didn't know if you okay. had like your prep sheet in front of you. I've No, I'm, I'm 
thinking of getting one soon. And oh, okay. I know that's coming up, so. Okay, well, yeah, like you, yeah, go ahead. Well, Karen. I mean, because I've seen those prep sheets before, and they have you, you know, not eating food and having like these kind of high sugar drinks okay. to with you know Gatorade, like to replace electrolytes. But there are other better ways to replace electrolytes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with our office, but we have a wonderful electrolyte replacement that okay. doesn't have the high fructose corn syrup and all the sugar. Mm-hmm. So that would be one way to get your electrolytes. And then I, um, something that I recommended to one of my clients was just to make a, a vegetable broth. Yeah, definitely. So in, instead of, you know, just fasting and doing the Gatorade, right. having the vegetable broth on the day where you're not supposed to be eating real food. Okay. Because you can get a lot of nutrients in just sipping that throughout the whole day. Okay. Yep, definitely. That's a great idea, Cara. Yep. Anna, do you have any other suggestions on that? Or <laughs> It's hard when you're supposed to be fasting and, like, not eating anything. Yeah. Because um, I was going to suggest maybe just a little bit of protein powder, but that might be too much, too. So I would think the, the chicken broth would be great. Okay. Yep. yep. And then um, the product that Cara was talking about, we have a couple different ones, but Endura would be a great one. Endura? Yep. E-N-D-U-R-A. It's electrolyte replacement that's low in sugar. Okay. Yep. And it tastes really good. I like the mm-hmm. lime. And it's okay. just a powder. And, and, you know, once you set that up and you get your protocol, you m- give our office a call if you have any other questions. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank All you. right. Thanks thank for you so calling. Well, I think we just have about a minute here. And so basically what we were trying to say today is... Halloween does not have to be focused on the sugar. We know there's going to be sugar and candy involved, but there's a lot of fun replacements for kids. Exactly. And just keep that blood sugar balance. Try to eat five times a day. Have a great week, you guys. Thanks Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Life, I love you. All is groovy.